it's that time, so let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. On excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. 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 What's up, BSers? What's up, peeps? Fred, Scott, James in the studio today. Three-man oh. crew. It's lighter in here. It's real light in here. It's a lot cooler in here without saying. so much man heat. <laughs> it's a lot You're, cooler. What kind of? What have you been doing when I'm not in the basement with so much man heat? <laughs> it's a lot of guys in this room, usually. Uh, what's going on, everybody? We got a lot to talk about on tonight's show. It's a big show. Uh, I'm, I'm pumped. It's NFL week. It's week one. There's some sports in my life. What time is it? Right. Game time. <laughs> I'm ready. Thursday night, the NFL season kicks off. First Ravens game this Sunday. I couldn't be more pumped up. So we're going to talk a little bit about our predictions for week one. We're going to talk more about our predictions for the season, how we think both conferences are going to shake out, even get down to our Super Bowl picks. That'll be fun. <laughs> I'm curious to see James. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're going to dive into the Ravens and Browns matchup week one. Talk a little bit about the key individual matchups in that game. Some yeah. things to look out for. The Browns, listen, as much as we sh we clown on the on the Browns all the time. They right? shit on themselves. What are you talking about? Yeah, went one and one against them, and they embarrassed us at home last year. Yeah. In our own house, at the bank. Specifically one guy. Right. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and what we're going to hope to see different in this, in this game. Uh, the Orioles... Somehow continue to hang around as we're starting to see some of this young talent come up. The guys that we were hopeful for that are going to be a part of the future start to shine early. Somehow this team is two and a half games back of a wild card spot. It's crazy. Crazy. Could have swept the Yankees the other day. Yeah, almost should have did. Should have yeah. swept the Yankees. But before we get into too much, we do want to remind you, if you've ever been injured at work or in an auto accident, weren't sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH. The Maryland Personal Injury Attorneys that will have your back. If you find yourself in that unfortunate situation, and I know I have, give our team at MD Crash a call right away. We all know the cost of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering can all add up quickly and potentially put you in a bad financial place. If you want a team that will handle your case, big or small, and just give you some peace of mind, save this number now, 855-MD-CRASH. It's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook for some fun giveaways, including gift cards to some of your favorite restaurants. All right, Scott, it is time for some Ravens talk. It's time for some NFL talk. As I said, we're almost here. It's, it's, it's football week. It's week one. It is. We're two days away from the NFL season kicking off with, you know, the Chiefs defending their title. It, it all got real this past weekend. Yeah. Let's be real about that, right? Yep. It got real with the, with them getting down and making the cuts to get down to the 53-man roster. Yeah. Um, now, I know some people believe that the the, 50, the true 53 is not the guys that we have on this roster right now, and to you, I'd say they better hurry the fuck up. <laughs> right. Uh, I know there were some some of our YouTube friends yeah. were saying that, and I, I, I kind of stayed out of it because I want to I wanted to keep it for here, but if you really, truly think this team – needs anything else and is going to go get it right now i i i, I would say you're completely wrong in yeah. my opinion because DeCosta didn't make moves last year until we saw what week six week seven i don't know i, I believe that and i don't believe that because 
uh, if you if you buy into all the rumors and everything that's been going around with one Jadavian Clowney, the Ravens were heavily involved in trying to bring a piece like Jadavian Clowney in just a couple of days ago, and turned out it would have gotten done with this quote unquote <laughs> loophole. Yeah, that, that's that, that they the, were trying to work through. The Saints and the Browns were trying to figure out for us apparently. <laughs> Yeah, if you hadn't heard this, so the, the reason the Ravens couldn't bring in Jadavian Clowney is because of the contract expectations of what he was looking for. Just the Ravens just couldn't make it work underneath the cap. But there was this loophole that a couple of teams were trying to uh, poke a hole in, and Ravens being one of them, that involved the Jaguars, where the, the Jaguars were actually going to sign and trade Jadavian Clowney to the Ravens, absorbing the signing bonus, which would then allow the Ravens to trade a draft pick to the Jaguars who are going through a rebuild right. and allow the Ravens to be able to fit him in under the cap. But the NFL came in and said, wait a second. Can't do that. We missed something here. We forgot to put that clause in there. Yeah, no, not going to happen. Look, I, look here's, here's my, my take on this. If somebody like – so obviously this, the, the team that tried it out was the Saints and the Browns. Yeah. The Saints, obviously, we know have no cap room whatsoever. Right. So because of that, they were trying to get the Browns to do it. I think you said the you know the signing bonus basically equated out to what if the Browns took on the signing bonus, right. it equates out. They they get the trade and they wind up getting either a first or a second round pick, whatever the compensation, whatever would the be. compensation pick would be. So the the thing with that is everybody saying no, the NFL is saying no. If a team is willing to do that, let them fucking do it. Yeah. Because here's the deal. I brought this up pre-show. If it wound up being if somehow God's plan was Saints Browns Super Bowl, oh Jesus, that would be awful. It would be awful. But how much of a slap in the face is that to the Browns if Jadavian Clowney sacks Baker Mayfield three times <laughs> comes back in the beat Super him. Bowl? You literally paid to get uh, beat. You paid to lose the Super Bowl. That'd be hilarious. I mean, it's, a it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's hilarious. It's a stretch, but my you get what my point is. Yeah. If a team is dumb enough to basically say, "Yeah, we'll take on some of your salary cap. You should give us compensation pick." Not remembering you're taking on some of that salary cap and you're still going to have yeah. to pay the signing bonus that you pay that rookie. The the point I get what you're saying. The point of this is the NFL put a salary cap in place for competitive balance and they're not they're not they're hoping they didn't think there were any kind of loopholes that the teams could kind of finagle the salary cap beyond what we all you know with the salary the signing bonus yeah. and all that stuff that they play with every day. Uh, this was another loophole that a couple of teams had had found. And the NFL stepped in, playing God, and said, "No, it, that will not happen here." If you're if you're able to convince somebody to take on a five million dollars of a contract, right, and literally get a prospect out of it, because that's what all draft picks are, let them do it. Yeah. If they're if they, I, I, I agree with you. Decision, I don't. I'm not arguing with you is, at all. This is grown individuals making these decisions, and if they want to keep having their their uh, franchises fail. Then go right ahead, and I know we've got some some Browns fans out there that watch. Yeah, Dave being one of them. Sorry, Dave. If you guys <laughs> did that deal, I hope you were all against it because if you guys did that deal, you were dumb as shit. It's right. your own damn fault. Right. No, I agree. I hundred percent agree. But let, let's talk a little bit about how this roster shook down. As you mentioned, uh, the Ravens yeah. had to cut down to their fifty-three and figure out what they were going to do with their practice squad. Uh, one of the things that had been out there for a while was. Were there going to be any undrafted free agents that continued the streak with the Ravens to make the roster with all the question marks without having preseason games? You know, obviously the odds were stacked against right. the undrafted free agents. And the Ravens, 
fortunate for them, uh, are probably one of the best teams as far as continuity goes, right? With the same players, the same personnel, all that stuff coming back, that the Ravens didn't really have to add too many undrafted free agents on top of, you know, all the draft picks that they already right. got from this, I mean, this year's draft. And this this year's draft picks, we saw, you know, they were impactful right away in training camp. We saw that. Yeah. Um, there were some guys that we were, you know, we were questioning. The, the one thing that did have me scratching my head about about the entire thing was they've been pushing the idea, and last year it worked, mm-hmm. the three tight end set. Yeah. Yet on the roster, technically, by definition, they have two. You have two. Yeah, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about the last couple of weeks. Pat Ricard is going to play a bigger role uh, outside of fullback with the tight end, which I don't doubt is I don't doubt his abilities at all. Obviously, this guy can line up pretty much on the football. He's an athlete. Right. He is what you like. All the college guys that a get named athlete. ATH athlete. Right. He is a pure athlete. You can put him on both sides of the ball. Uh, so I think he'd be effective. The problem is, like I said last week, if he goes down, not only do you lose your fullback, but you lose your tight end three, and that closes a, a portion of the play, and play a guy that chain. has the ability to, to play linebacker if you need him to you you well, lose depth chart linebacker. defensive line more so than linebacker but i get your point yes right. um so I, I don't know if the ravens are done here yet tweaking things because uh, when you take a look at this right the, the ravens were debating carrying one of the undrafted free agent tight ends that they had in the mix those two guys end up making the 16-man uh, practice squad, right? Eli Wolf and uh, Jarrell Adams. Jarrell Adams both yeah. make the practice squad. I think a bigger question mark, at least to me and probably a lot of fans out there, was going to be the quarterback position. One, were the Ravens going to carry three active quarterbacks on the roster again? And if they were, was it going to be Trey Sorley, Mick Sorley, or was it going to be the new undrafted free agent who's impressed Tyler Huntley? So the, the thing about this, and I, I – Look, so Huntley obviously gets cut, and yeah. but they do get him on the practice squad. Yeah. Um, along with Wolf and Adams, who we were talking about. The, the thing here is, the more I started looking at this, all teams have to go off of is word of mouth, which is that he's looked good. Right. You got no tape on this guy. High risk to have to bring him onto your squad, because if you, if, you, if you claim somebody off waivers, they have to make the squad. I agree with that. So, and I think that's ultimately why he made the roster. It's, it's well, just why, fami- he, why he Scott's or why he why he didn't make the roster. Right. Why McSorley did is because familiarity. Right. You know, McSorley did have one year in the system. The thing that, like, I guess, kind of, I scratch my head with is McSorley was one of those guys last year that we talked a lot about. Maybe having that kind of Taysom Hill effect that we'd right. see him lined up in the backfield, not only as a quarterback but maybe a H back. Uh, you'd see him more involved in special teams and all that stuff, and we just didn't see that at all last year. So I was really surprised uh, that you know, one, he didn't have any impact last year because he didn't right. play at all, uh, and two, that they decided to carry three active quarterbacks considering they weren't using him. Now that could mean that they are planning on using him more in that role this year that they did last year could mean that. So here's, here's the deal. And I, this got me thinking, right? This is a contract year for RG three. Yeah. If it came down to it and you need to trade him at the trade deadline, you can, you already have a guy in trace McSorley who can come in and be serviceable. Right. But while he's serviceable, Huntley's over here, picking Lamar's brain every practice. Yeah. Not only is that his skill set, Huntley's skill set allows you 
to better practice against Lamar. I agree with that. And prepare, you know, similar pre- skill set. Skim- similar skill set. You can you can prepare your number one defense against uh, with a guy like him. You can also get your, um, you know, a lot a lot more teams are starting to go to that mobile quarterback. So now, by having a guy like Huntley, you can now prepare for a guy like Kylo Murray, right? Somewhat like Mahomes, right? He's not obviously not the quality, right? He's not going to be able to do this no look sidearm throws that we know of, <laughs> right? But you can now start to prepare some for some of these mobile quarterbacks with with Huntley on the practice squad. That's so it's point. a huge, huge benefit for him to be there. And I think that works out. And then long term, while he's doing all this, I would not be surprised if he makes enough leaps on the practice squad. I would not be surprised to see him make it as the QB2 next year over McSorley because he is... He seems to be, from everything that I'm hearing, he seems to be more plug-and-play than McSorley is. And, and that could be the plan for the future. That's actually where I was going to go next. Is This is RG3's last year under contract with the Ravens, right? RG3 has obviously made it very clear that he wants to start somewhere. He feels he still can contribute to a team. It's really, for RG3, it comes down to opportunities. Like, there's just not a yeah. lot of opportunity out there for him right now. A lot of that can change if things fall apart unexpectedly for some teams or, you know, if if – some players, you know, teams just can't afford certain contracts, that kind of thing. It could open the door for RG3. That does bring in Huntley into the mix for next year, and then you have a battle between McSorley and Huntley for that backup role. So I, I 100% agree with you on that. Uh, but more, you know, a couple of other guys. We talked last year or last week about the outlook on last year's draft class, right? And it didn't look good. With a lot of guys that have been right. released and a lot of guys that were on the bubble, whether even they were going to even make the roster this year, two of those guys, offensive lineman Ben Powers and running back Justice Hill, not that Justice Hill wasn't going to make the roster because he's not skilled enough, more so we just have riches at that position. Right. Um, and there were some question marks with his injury history and that kind of stuff. Was he going to be able to uh, make the roster? Both of those guys are safe. Both of those guys make the roster. The Ravens do carry four running backs. The benefit with with Justice Hill, right, is they, they put out the depth chart on Monday as well, yep. right? So with the depth chart, he looks to be their primary kick returner. Um, punt returner will will uh, supposedly this is the one that had me like kind of take it back. Willie Sneed is named their number one punt returner, right? With Prochet behind him, <clears throat> and then you have uh, Justice Hill doing the kick returning, and behind him. The biggest head scratcher on the squad, Mr. Hands Problem Wide Receiver himself, yeah, in Chris Moore. Yeah, Chris Moore. I, I, how how does he Chris is Moore on, make it over Jaleel Scott? By the he way, he is on, well. Jaleel Scott was a, a, just a camp guy that everybody had hopes for that never amounted to anything. I I was never on the Jaleel Scott hype train like some people were, but. I'm well overdue, and he is well overdue his welcome here in Baltimore as Chris Moore. That's a guy that I understand his value on teams, especially as a gunner. I get that. Uh, but he is taking up a wide receiver spot, right? You know, because yeah. this, this, they're only carrying six wide receivers this year. It's surprising to me that Chris Moore made this roster. Uh, and it, again, with the injury history, broke his his finger again. You know, it's just it's it's one thing after the other. But listen, Harbaugh loves his guys, right? And special somehow teams. Chris Moore is a Harbaugh guy. Harbaugh is a special teams guy. He's a special teams ace. I get it. 
but that I guess that was one of the, the surprising moves to me. And I think the other one that kind of had Ravens fans, especially on social media, on Twitter, uh, skip a beat with their heart uh, was safety Nigel Warrior, an undrafted guy, a, lot, a guy that a lot of people were really high on, uh, and rightfully so. Yeah. Like, everything that we've heard about this guy out of camp uh, was impressive. Got an interception from Lamar. Right. He, uh, you know, is coming out of the SEC from Tennessee. Uh, he was all SEC, made big plays at Tennessee. Uh, he just – he looked like he fit the bill, especially after the Ravens released Earl Thomas. Yeah. You need to have that extra depth there at safety. Uh, so he didn't make the roster, but fortunately enough for the Ravens, everybody that they released was safe. Nobody was yeah. claimed, and they all were, ended up falling onto the practice Yeah, field. I mean, and that's that's the benefit of this year of having no preseason games, right. um, which it, it's it, it's nice on one hand. It's, it's bad on the other because you can't really truly see what you have because these guys aren't going against true number ones on a defense that's preparing for you, right? It's, right. it's a different ball game. The thing that I think, you know, when you look at Nigel, Nigel Warrior, you brought his name up. When I look at him, he's a guy that I think has the, has the ability to make that leap as the next man up type scenario. Right. The problem is you have so much depth in in that defensive back room that you did you didn't necessarily need him there. You could use that piece elsewhere. Right. You, we talked about Jimmy Smith flipping around a little bit. We right. talked about, um, you know, them bringing on and having Deshaun Elliott stepping up. Deshaun Elliott steps up. I forget uh, what's his name. Um, hang on a second. Uh, who was it? Brian Baldinger for NFL Network is predicting that Deshaun Elliott's going to have a breakout year. Right. So right. that well, we're going to get into that more later. But that whole piece, <clears throat> the depth and what you're showing there. I think he's a next man up type scenario. You can put him off here. If you need to bring somebody up, somebody goes down and you need to bring somebody up and they go on IL, well, yeah, you can bring him up and he, he should be plug and play at that point. Right. Well, the, the only reason I said anything, and it's not so much <clears> – I, I agree with your point. I do think we have some depth there. Uh, it was more so a Warrior or Geno Stone thing. Who's going to make the active roster? Geno Stone, I understand, was the draft pick. He was a seventh-round yeah. pick, though. Right, seventh-round pick. We saw the Steelers – cut Antoine Brooks, who was a sixth-round pick. He a Terp. Yeah. He, he's, he, I don't know. He's going to land somewhere. I think he might have landed back on the practice squad with the Steelers, I think. There weren't too many transactions that I, I heard of. Right. Uh, but I, I thought maybe Nigel Norrier, based on his performance, had jumped Geno Stone as far as depth chart goes. Uh, but no, Gino, they're going to ride with Geno Stone. And, and it's no knock on him because everything that I've heard about Geno Stone is good. We didn't see a preseason, as we said, so it's hard to judge these guys. And I yeah. know it's, it's a small sample size, and we're only privy to what the media shows and tells us about what's going on in camp. It's just everything that I've heard was that Warrior was head and heels above Geno Stone as far as production in that short period of time. Yeah, and, and that's there is positive. I think it's the fact that you don't want to – the Ravens never – we historically have never wanted to turn away from a track, draft pick, period. Right. No matter whether they were a first-rounder or a seventh-rounder. I mean, look <laughs> – Frickin' Prashad Perryman, how long do we hang on to him? Right. Way too long. Right. The point is, is it's it's there. But I think there was an interesting piece that you were talking about, and Ryan actually brings it up on uh he actually brings it up on on Periscope and Twitter. He says, Did you guys see our four protected practice squad players this week? Yeah, so the way that this is gonna work for those that don't know is the the NFL expanded the practice squads this year because of COVID, right? So now the rosters practice squad will be able to host sixteen players. What's happened in the past is practice squad players are completely open for any team 
to come and poach your practice squad players and put them on their active 53-man roster. That's the catch, right? They can't just, you know, come in and grab a practice squad player and throw it on their practice squad. It has to be on the 53-man roster, and he has to stay on the 53-man roster. So what the what they're doing is they expanded them to 16, mm-hmm. and they're giving the teams the ability to protect four players on their practice squad each week. You can delegate those names. You can keep them the same if you want. You can change them week to week. You can do whatever you want. But you get to protect four players on your practice squad that keeps any team from poaching them. Yeah, so I'm, I'm reading now uh, from our buddy Matt Stevens over at Ravens Wire yeah. uh, that they have, this was about an hour ago, he posted I've this, three outside linebackers, or, and, or, yeah, three, sorry, three offensive linemen and one linebacker for this week's practice squad. Well, it's actually, it's linebacker Aaron Adie. Center, Tristan Colin Castillo. Offensive lineman, Will Holden. And defensive lineman, uh, Aaron Crawford are the four guys. So out of all the names that I know a lot of fans were were kind of watching, whether they were the, the bubble guys, whether they are going to make the squad right. or night, Tyler Huntley, the quarterback, he's not protected. No. Both DBs, Nigel Warrior and Terrell Bonds, the cornerback, Terrell Bonds, who played really, really yeah. well, they're not protected. The linebackers Chauncey Rivers and uh, uh, and Aaron Adier was Aaron uh, Aaron was the only one that was protected right. out of that entire group of players. Go ahead, James. Real quick, I think why Huntley uh, is still there is because who's going to put like more than three players of a quarterback on their roster? So I think the quarterback is protected unless some quarterback goes down. Exactly, and that, and that's kind of what my point was going to be is that. This is a guy who went undrafted for a reason, right? 32 teams had plenty of chances to pick Tyler yeah. Huntley. There isn't any tape on him at the NFL level yet because there were no preseason games. So I understand fans' fear of, oh, man, this is a guy I really like. This is a guy I've heard good things about. I don't want him to go anywhere. But when you think of the reality of it, if a team's got to take them from your practice squad. And you have to put them on the 53-man. And you have yeah. to keep them, not just put them on for one week. you got to keep them on your 53-man roster that's a lot of ask for it, especially in a season like this where there's COVID and there's all these risks that we just yeah. don't know how we're going to shake out. Not many teams are going to make that risk. And like we said before, you, you have no NFL level tape on any of these guys. So because of that, you're taking a huge risk by even saying, I, you know, we want to I want to take this guy on because he has to make the roster. So. Why would you? Why would you even risk it on a guy that you don't even know can perform at this level? So Ryan brings up our uh, the point as well. He said, "I just don't know how Trace made it over Huntley. He got outplayed. I could see knowing the playbook more, but I don't know, man. And I'm right there with you. And that's yeah. that's honestly what it is. I think it comes down to continuity, right? That as as much as we saw him outperform McSorley Huntley, it doesn't." if they can't relate it to when the lights come on, because I'll be honest with you, last year when I saw McSorley in camp, he sucked. We went to multiple practices last year. He was terrible in camp. But when the lights came on, he played very well in the preseason, right? It was totally different. Hold on a second, though, because we've had this discussion before, and I take issue with that statement because he he looked good against number fours. He, he looked good, look, but that's what he was playing with as well. He wasn't playing with our ones. He was playing he our threes and fours. That's what I'm he, to say that he's playing at a high level, I don't think you can say that. My point is this. Huntley, all we know is what we what we hear about in camp. We don't know what it's going to look like. We Fair at enough. least know both sides of it with McSorley. 
We know that last year he has a full year in the system. He knows the playbook better than Huntley, right? He knows the system better than Huntley. He knows the, the verbiage. He knows all of that better. That if, God forbid, something happens to, he's to Lamar, serviceable. he's serviceable, he can right. step in, right? Huntley is exciting, and I think if Huntley can stick with this franchise for a year and get that tutelage, I do think, to your point earlier, that he will jump McSorley next year when RG3 is gone. So just pump the brakes a little bit. Be patient. He's still with us, right? We got him. I, I know if it's Madden, right, we're plugging Huntley in there. He's our number three guy. I get it. That's how all of us are. But be patient. I think Huntley's got a future with this I team. I ain't doing that shit with Madden 21. That's for damn sure. <laughs> so many glitches. Oh, uh, man. But all right, so it's, it's opening week, right? We got the Brownies coming to town, so we got to talk about this game specifically. And listen, the last time the Browns came to town was not pretty. They literally wiped our ass. It was one of the most fun games I had last year as far as tailgates go. It was a blast. We had a great time. And then we got our asses handed to us. 40 to 25 at the bank last year in front of 70,000 screaming Raven fans. There's a lot to digest in this game. Who were gone by the fourth quarter, by the way. Right. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot to digest in this game. So we split the series last year with the Browns. We won one on the road against the Browns, and we lost here at home. 40 to 25 in front of 70,000 fans. There's not going to be any fans. I'll be in the stands in cardboard form, but there's not, <laughs> there's not going to be any actual fans in Along the stands. Along with like 70 Mo's from right here, which is awesome, by the way. So I wanted to get your take on this before we get into the specific matchups with this game. Just specifically talking about home field advantage, right? It's out the window. I was curious to say, what advantage? What home field advantage is Let this me, no, Scratch that. Scratch that. Because the NFL has gotten this fucking wrong. Okay. The fact that, that some teams, because of municipalities and things like that, are allowed to. Other teams are not. The Ravens, as of last Friday, technically are. But going into the beginning of the season, they weren't. Right. So you think that this should be something that they should keep consistent across the board. If one team isn't allowed or one team decides that they're not going to have fans in the stands, that nobody should have fans? Yes. Okay. Because it's a competitive. I don't argue with I'm just asking. To me, it's a competitive disadvantage slash advantage situation. Mm -hmm. So, okay, how do you offset that? Well, then you start doing what the fucking MLB does. And you're pumping in crowd noise. And you get one stadium that you hear them. It's so loud you can't even hear the announcers on TV. Right. And you get another one that you hear this. Right. Sounds like some creepy guy sitting in the background. <laughs> You're breathing heavy. <laughs> like <laughs> it's so. So where where is the fine level there? I yeah. get I get it. It's weird for these guys. It, you want to create it, but to me, they got this shit wrong. You have to have some sort. This has to be controlled because if you start leaving it up to the teams. What's to stop Kansas City? Kansas City, we know Arrowhead is one of the loudest stadiums yeah. in all of sports. Right. So do you do they get to pump theirs a little bit louder? I don't know. Like they have you're right. They haven't mandated anything as far as decibel levels or anything. Like, oh, well then we can actively measure it. We'll have somebody We're two down days there. Away and you haven't made a decision on this. Uh, yeah, right. I agree. I think that's a problem because I mean, when you, when you think about it, right, if the Ravens, let's just say 
you know, they, they're one of the teams. We already know that they're not going to have any fans in the stands, right? So At least for this Sunday. Right. So let's say they don't pump a whole lot of fan noise in there, right? What's the impact when usually you've got 70,000 fans screaming when, you know, the opposing teams on offense, they're going to be able to hear all the audible calls much yeah. easier. The kickers aren't going to be impacted at all because they're not going to have fans screaming at them or anything like that. All Your quarterback, that stuff, can he actually hear his headset? Yeah. All that stuff goes out the window. So, you know, what would typically be a big advantage for the Ravens because, let's face it, the Ravens fan base is one of the best fan bases in the NFL, if not the best. It's one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL, and it's a completely outdoor stadium, right? That's gone. Yeah. That's gone. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how that affects the season. I do think, I do think, after the first couple of weeks, after maybe week two, week three, I do think that maybe fans will be allowed in the stands. It might be what we talked about before, 7,500, 14,000 fans. There might be a, you know, a limit to it. But I do think that they will allow fans in the stands after a couple of weeks. But it's definitely going to be something interesting to monitor for the first couple. It is. I mean, and then, you know, what what are you going to do if there's a wind up? Winds up being an outbreak, right? right. And it's traced back to the stadium, right? Now you have now you have players at risk. So, look, there, there are so many moving pieces. And I get it's a moving target. But at this point, just do what all the other sports have done. Right. Two of them did it in a bubble. You decided to take the MLB route and be dumb and not do it in a bubble. I still think it should be done in a bubble. It would be pretty damn easy to do it in, like, Texas. You got two stadiums to work down there. Maybe you do it somewhere else. Maybe you do another one up in mm. Seattle or something like so that. So Ray says they've released the decibel info, 70 decibels, no higher, no lower, from kickoff to end of game. That's interesting. That's new. I hadn't seen that yet, so I appreciate you tuning in. Yeah, we'll have to look into that because, I yeah. like... I'll, I'll be honest with you, 70 decibels isn't much. I mean, when you're talking about, like... The Delman Young. That was 120 decibels. Right. So you're talking almost double. Almost double. Half, the, almost half. Let me rephrase that. Right. This would be almost half of how loud we got for Delman, Delman Young. Right. So it'll be noisy, but nowhere near the normal level of M&T Bank Stadium. No, especially, on, especially on a th when, when, you're, when our defense is out there on a third down, right. trying to make a stop inside the 20, right, where we are getting loud as shit, or even if it's... Uh, you know, even if we're stopping them fourth, fourth and long. Right. Right? It, it, all that stuff. It, it, I don't care what. You can sit here and, and talk to me until you're blue in the face. You are never going to convince me that that stuff does not have an advantage and disadvantage. 100% it does. We've heard players talk about, yeah. yeah, it's so hard to hear there. It's so hard to do this. So hard to, they're not just blowing smoke. It literally is. It plays a role into Ryan, everything you do. Ryan says we're constantly hitting 130. And that's exactly right, right? So this is going to be, if that's true, and I appreciate you tuning in, Ray. Uh, if it is true, 70 decibels is going to be the consistent level throughout the game. That's nothing. That's nothing. That's basically a half-filled M&T Bank Stadium Ray, at that point. Ray Chimney said M&T typically hovers between 95 and 110. That's our point, right? It's, right. If that's where you're hovering for loud, loud, you're not even getting close to that. If, if, if we took it, you would visit, you would audibly... It's not like this slight difference. Shamble says that's Jacksonville did. noise level. That's right, right? Because it's about a half-filled stadium, yeah. right? All right, well, let's – all right, forget it for a – it is what it is, right? This is – this 2020 sucks. This year sucks, right? We got to deal with all the ramifications of what this season is and isn't. It is what it is. My point is, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the facts of this game, right? I understand – that the Browns came in here and whooped our ass last year at home. Yeah. Right? I get that. And we had we were 14-2 and two last year. One of those losses was that loss. I get that. Right? 
when you look at the totality of what the Ravens have done recently in week one, the last three years, they've won 20 to nothing, 47 to three, and 59 to 10. They've done pretty damn well when they've had a lot of time to prepare and for week one. Now, I get it. It's different. We didn't have preseason, all that. I know that. None of the teams did, right? Right. But I don't have as much fear because I feel like the Ravens are one of the most prepared teams in the NFL. Again, this goes back to that continuity thing. Yeah. It, look, here's the, here's the deal when it comes to this game, right? The biggest thing when it comes to our game against the Browns is how we got gashed last year. Yep. By one guy. And it wasn't Baker. Yeah. No. Definitely wasn't Baker. Nick Chubb yeah. gashed us with the run game. Yeah. So what did we do? And it's the same 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 style run game that Derrick Henry has. Derrick Henry's way better at it. But Chubb's still good. He's 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 pretty damn good. Chubb's a top ten back. So what do we do? We go out and get these three guys. Yeah. Well, technically, we had one of them, but we got the other two <laughs> to, to, to solidify that, that front line. We're a very much more athletic defensive front. Yes. Uh, the problem was setting the edge. coming off. I mean, that's where Nick Chubb ran for like 165 yards against us last year in that game. Most of that was running off the edge. We've got to be better this year. Yeah. And it was mainly Ferguson and Bowser's side last year. And those two guys are going to be in that same position this year. I get it. We've got more speed at backers, you know, with Patrick Queen being yeah. the name, the, 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 the starting Sorry. middle linebacker. He's got the athleticism. He's got the speed. Derek Wolf and, and Calais Campbell are both more athletic guys than what we've had in the past. By the way, you brought with Calais Campbell. Did you see the NFL video this week with Calais Campbell where I forget who was doing the interview with him? And they were talking about, you know, giving up the gap. Right. And, and, letting, and he's like, you know, this year for me, I've got to communicate with my linebacker. Because if I make one move this way, he's got to know he's got to have that outside. So he's not necessarily my linebacker that's behind me can't necessarily go off the play call. Right. He's got to go off what I'm doing and how I'm reading my man. Read and react. Yeah, exactly. And so it was just to hear Calais Campbell talk. It just we, we all know he's a high level. Yeah. But this interview, I'll have to show you after the show because I don't know if you, if you I see haven't. it. No, I'll I show it to you. I, I saved it to my phone. He takes this to a next level discussion. And the guy who's interviewing him was like, wow. There, John Harbaugh actually made comments about this last week, too. Is there's There have been a few guys that have they, the Ravens have signed over the last couple of years that have come in and made an immediate impact, not just, you know, physically on the field, but in the locker room, in the huddle, as far as leadership goes, Mark Ingram was a huge impact for the Ravens on the offensive side. We talked about it at nauseum last year. Yeah. When we gutted that defense last year and we lost all those veterans, who was going to be the guy to step up and be that leader? Mark Ingram was able to do that on a big-time level last yeah. year. And I think Calais Campbell is going to be right up there with him, and he already has. He's I mean, the cheerleader. He's, he is the semi-Mark Ingram. He's not quite as, he is as outgoing. Yeah, but he is he is the man on that defense. Yeah, I, I just I I'm not as worried. Uh, I do think, like I said, this is going to be an important year for Tyus Bowser. Bowser's in a contract yeah. year, right? So he's got to prove himself. Uh, he's if he wants to stick around and if he wants to get paid. And I think 
we need to see, and we talked about this for the last couple of, te- uh, couple of weeks, Ferguson showing that second-year growth, yeah. right? He's got to he's kind of got to get away from just being that one-trick pony that was just a power rusher and be able to show that he can set that hedge and stop the run from the outside. Which I think you'll see. I expect to see him partner next to Calais a little bit more Yeah, because of that. Because you, you need a guy like Calais to give him that knowledge, give him that understanding of if this is what I'm going to kind of somewhat of a read and react type scenario, somewhat. But hey, I got my guy. You go, you go set the damn edge, dude. Come on, right. let's go. You got to get out there. You can't, you can't sit back. You got to, you got to move. You got to have that first step. You got to have a good first step. Watch your man. If he's got a back first step to the left, you go, you go front start, first step to the right. Right. Like the other thing you can't lose sight of, though, I understand that. We got gashed in that game. We did not do bad on the road. No. Uh, what's his name? Um, Chubb only had like 45 yards rushing. Yeah, we got him the second time. On the time. road. We stopped him the second time. I know none of us are big fans of Baker Mayfield. I don't think anybody out there is a big fan of, B- of Baker Mayfield. He had a good, not great, he had a good rookie year and completely shit the bed last year. This year, he legit has zero excuses not to be successful. When you've got the likes of two running backs in your backfield, like Chubb and Hunt, right? Yeah. Both guys that are have the ability to be RB1 on any other team pretty much in the NFL, right? Yeah. Most, oh, yeah. most teams in the NFL. Not only do you have that, you've got a much improved offensive line over what you had last year via free agency and through the draft. A much improved offensive line. You still have much two... Much improved from where it was. That's what I'm saying. Much improved from where it was. You've got two legit... Wide receivers in OBJ. Diva, if you want to say he's a diva, he's still a very talented wide receiver. Jarvis Landry, who's got some of the best hands in the league. And then you go out and you pay top tight end money for a guy like Austin Hooper, which I do think Austin Hooper is a little overrated. I think Matt Ryan has kind of made Austin Hooper who he is. But you add another target over the middle for, for, you know, Baker like that. He has no excuses to not be successful. No, I... The reason that Baker was so successful in his in his first season was the fact that he was able to get the ball out quick, right? If you go back and you look at his that first season when he stepped in for Tyrod, mm-hmm. he stepped up and he was he was getting rid of the ball consistently every game within three seconds. He the ball's out of his hands, right? With three within three seconds of a snap, that may seem like oh that's that's not a lot or that is a lot. It it is a lot. Right, that's quick. He was literally taking the he was taking the snap, step back, first or second read, and gone. The benefit of Austin Hooper is he's a guy that's over the middle, made his living over the middle with Matt Ryan. Yeah. You're gonna be able to get the ball to him quickly. The downside to that is it's and I, I corrected your the way that you said it because I wanted to make this point. This is not like this is a top tier offensive line. It's greatly no. improved over where it was. And that's what I'm saying. But they're not they're not top tier. It's not like these guys are going to be able to block Baker and never he's never going to get sacked type situation. No, no. I mean nobody's offensive line is impenetrable, but I'm saying no. they're a much better group with the veterans that they went out and signed. They got a true right tackle, the guy from Tennessee, his name is slipping my it slipped my mind right now. They got a couple of guys in the draft. They they far improved their offensive line from what it was last year. I'm not saying it's going to be a top 10 offensive line. But, again, with all the targets that he has around him, all the athleticism that he has around him, the two running backs that he has behind him, he has no reason to not be successful. 
And I wouldn't be surprised. I actually talked to our buddy Ryan about this. Uh, or actually, no, it was uh, a guy, Craig, on social media earlier today. I wouldn't be surprised. What's his name? The coach, Stefanski, the new, the new head yeah. coach there. I wouldn't be surprised if by week eight, if the Browns are not in good position, let's say they're a game or two below 500 by week eight, I think Baker we see City. Case. I think we see Case Keenum, because Stefanski used Case Keenum to a couple of NFC Championship games this back in true. his day. This is true. And listen, the coach success train. Like once when you've gotten to John Harbaugh's level and you've gotten to Mike Tomlin's level, where you've proven your success. You can have a couple of off seasons and be able to eat that and absorb that because you've got the reputation, right? Right. Your sample window, your window to prove your value as a head coach in the NFL is small. I understand that they invested a first overall pick into Baker Mayfield. I get all that. But Stefanski could give two shits about that at this point. It's his job, and his job yeah. is to win football games. And if they're a game or two below 500, I think by week eight, we could see Baker Mayfield on the bench. You, you very well could. You very well could. But let, let's flip one of the Ravens' side on the offensive side of the ball, right? Yeah. Because we, we've talked about defense, you know, and, and defenses being able to, to, to try and plan and do things. Here's my question to you. You're an Ohio State guy. You love J.K. And we've been, everything we've been hearing and seeing from highlights, from camp, nothing but positives. Right. And it's interestingly enough, this week, uh, Pat Ricard during an interview, was asked, you know, what he's, what he's most excited to see. And I thought he made an interesting statement that made me rethink my original thought process about how much of an effect we'd see with Dobbins in week one. Because he was asked, what, do you, what, what are you most excited to see? And he said, I'm most excited to see J.K. Dobbins next week. Literally in that order. Yeah. And I went, huh. This is kind of why I said earlier that the depth chart means nothing to me. I think the depth chart is literally just for show because if you look at the depth chart right now, J.K. Dobbins is number four on the list. Yeah. Right? He's number four on that depth chart. He will 100%. I would put every penny in my bank on it. He will have an impact week one. Oh, I don't, I'm I not don't, I say, don't disagree with that. I, I'm not going to say he's going to lead the team in rushing or anything like that in week one. I think Lamar will lead the team in rushing in week one. But I do think he will have an impact. You'll see the athleticism. All fans are going to be excited for him, and all fans are going to be clamoring for this kid to start week two. That's I, the kind of impact I think he'll have. That explosiveness. Everything that we saw at Ohio State – the stiff arms, the ability to shake and move guys, right. the breakaway speed. I think you'll see a little bit of all of that in this game. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think the one thing that I was thinking about is, is I was thinking maybe, okay, maybe we see him more more so in the second half or, or like a second a second down back type, you know, later in the game, uh, you know, maybe a few snaps in the, in the first half. But after hearing that, I'm like, okay, are they literally going to throw everything at them how many two back sets are we going to see do you think the ravens don't want to stick it to the browns after they were embarrassed at home last year oh i'm not i don't doubt that what they're going to do everything they're going to pull all the tricks out beat them at their own game yeah with the run game yeah absolutely I, I, I don't doubt that i just my thing is is like okay 
We just haven't seen him at NFL speed yet. Right. Right. That's the only downfall. So that's why I'm thinking, okay, maybe see him more of the second half. You know, use the first half. Maybe he gets a few snaps here and there. Maybe use him in like a gadget play just to get his feet wet. Let him get in there and just see the speed. I, like I said, I think they're going to pull all the tricks out in this game because, like I said, they were embarrassed last year. I think you're going to see everything that we've kind of been talking about this offseason, areas that the Ravens need to improve on, right? Lamar needs to improve on his deep ball down the sidelines, down the field. I think we're going to see a lot of that in this game. Probably some jump balls to Miles Boykin because we knew that that was an issue. We knew we needed to see Miles Boykin. We knew it worked on, yeah. We needed to get him more involved, and we need to see that chemistry built. They need to do that week one, get him involved, get him some confidence. Hollywood Brown, we've talked about it at ends, that he's going to have a huge year. I've gone on the record as saying I think he's going to have 1,100 to potentially as high as 1,300 yards this season. I think we see one or two, like we did in Miami last year, huge plays from Hollywood Brown in this game too. Yeah, we just had somebody, I think it was Ray, chime in. Anyone think Hollywood gets a, a long TD? I definitely Absolutely. Uh, can you scroll up a little bit for me, James? I think I saw two questions on J- JK that I wanted to do, or two comments that I wanted to address real quick uh, right there. So Ryan said JK will be a starter by the middle of October. Uh, he's saying a little bit later than what you're thinking, but you're yeah. still along the same lines. He's going to be a starter. And then the one right underneath that, JK's – this is Steve. This is bold. JK first touch will be a TD this Sunday. That's a bold That's a bold prediction That could right there. be. I like it. I like it. I, I, I don't James know. James says pump the brakes. <laughs> I'm for it. I drafted him in fantasy, although our buddy, and he said it already, Drew, snuck him <laughs> out of our draft together. Uh, but I got him. I got him in my bird land in league, so I'm good. I'm fine if we hand the ball to JK all the time. <laughs> then Lamar doesn't have to run, and James doesn't get him as many points in fantasy. <laughs> I'm all cool with that. <laughs> uh, nah, I, I think that this is a game that the, the Ravens, again, are going to pull out all the stops, and I think this will be a game that we win handedly. And I think we'll be all right. So I think Ray, Ray brings up a good point. He says Garrett is still on the line. That defense gives us trouble. Yeah. I would, what I would caution thinking a breakout game week one with no preseason and live live reps against NFL grown men who are paid to rip his head off. I, well, he he rips helmets off, not heads. But <laughs> anyway, with that being said, I think there, he makes a point, right? Let's let's not take Miles Garrett for what he is. But what else does that defense? really have right not a lot not they, many people can sit here and they really the don't and defense. i'll be honest with you miles garrett last year didn't have much of an impact i think ronnie stanley has handled him pretty well i think well, miles garrett had his what about as many sacks as games as he played not against us not not against us but he's still... i'm talking that's what i'm talking about okay. i'm talking about against us and against our offensive line matchup for matchup i think ronnie stanley and, and, and orlando brown will do a good job with miles garrett he is a game wrecker he's still going to get in there and make plays but for what I'm talking about as far as J.K. goes is the running back position is one of the more seamless transitions from the college game to the NFL, uh, especially when you've played in a bigger conference like the SEC and the Big Ten. That's why you see a lot of these big-name running backs burst onto the scene and have great careers right out of the gate. Yeah, I think J.K. Dobbins can, can fall into that play. I'm not saying he's going to have 100 and some yards. I think you're going to see – some of all the hype, all the reasons that all the fans are out there excited about J.K., you're going to see those tactics in this game. Yeah, it, it, I, I get what you're saying. I think you're going to see you're going to see a lot in this game. I just I I would caution, like Ray said, there there are some things that they still can throw at us. And look, they held us 25 points in that game. Right. 
you know, I say hell, there's still a decent amount of points, but it what we didn't we didn't blow them out like we did Miami. Right. No. So true. there there is a defense there, you know, that you have to give somewhat of credit to. All right. They were able to stop us. They were able to you know force some kicks and things like that. So there, there there's a little bit to be said there. I, I think it's going to be interesting. But before we get into that, I think we got to we got to talk predictions. You know, if we're talking predictions. We got to talk predictions. And this week's predictions are brought to you by our sponsor over at MyBookie because it's winning season right now at MyBookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. That's right. MyBookie is hooking up all of you BSers out there with double your first deposit up to 1000 bucks with 10 times rollover. Yeah, and MyBookie has it all, guys. They've got Survivor. They've got Super Contest. They've got Squares. Along with full season, individual game, prop bets, it's time to get excited for this NFL season. And before before I before we kind of go on real quick, I have to say I've used my bookie this week. Yeah, and I used it on uh, the the horse race on the Kentucky Derby. I put in ten dollars and won eighty bucks out of it. You're such an old man. Who the hell bets on horse racing? You're smoking a stogie and wearing a hat too, like you know, weirdo. Don't my don't, bookie. Don't tell me how to spend my Saturdays. <laughs> It's time to invest in yourself. Invest in your sports knowledge. You can bet on anything. You can bet on the Ravens. You can bet on any NFL game out there that you want to. Use our promo code, BirdlandBS, and they're going to double that first deposit. This is just adds a whole other level of excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, and collect that money. Yeah, collect that money. And again, use that promo code BirdlandBS to double that first deposit. Start your winning season today only at MyBookie. I know I did. You guys need to go do it this week. All right. So we talked a lot about predictions last year. We kept track, stats on how we all did, who our, had all the most picks. Our I'm tracker pretty, got an upgrade this year. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I took home the championship last year as far as somehow record those, goes. Some, somehow those got lost. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Conveniently, right? <laughs> Conveniently got lost. <laughs> so what we do every week uh, in the NFL seasons, we do what's called primetime predictions. We talk about, obviously, the Ravens game, and then we pick all the, the primetime games, the Thursday night games, the Sunday night games, the Monday night games, if there's holiday games, those games as well. And we just give you a quick synopsis of what we think on the game and who's going to win. Uh, so let's start because we've been already talking about the Ravens in this Browns game. Scott, yeah. I'll let you open it up with your prediction. How do you see this game shaking out? So for me, as, as much as I was just giving their defense credit, I don't think they're going to be able to do that much. Um, and I think with the potential for soft tissue injuries this year, uh, the, the lack of preseason games um, and game speed, I actually think because of that, we see in some cases, this kind of gives you an idea of where I'm going with, with some of my picks and my scores. I think in some cases we actually wind up seeing some high-scoring games for some teams, the Ravens being one of them. I think you can't doubt what our defensive front is, being, is going to be able to do against this offense. I know they've got a lot of weapons, but our defensive front is going to give them way too much trouble. And then on that backside, you're going to have guys like Elliott and Humphrey and Peters. They're going to be able to pick people all day long. And with, uh, with Chuck Clark leading them, I think it's just it, they're going to be unstoppable in my opinion. So I've got the Ravens winning this this game 42 to 17. All right, I'm right there with you. I've got the Ravens winning this game as well. I think that there will be obviously some hiccups in this game. It might be ugly at times because of the whole COVID and nobody, you know, it's the first time that they're hitting another team. There might be some some ugly football involved on Sunday, but I think the Ravens, like I said, have had this game circled on their calendar uh, since the, the schedule was released, that they wanted to prove a point in this game. Yeah. But I do think, again, the added targets, 
the the just with some of the younger guys out there and some of the new pieces, the the figuring out of communication might cause some issues with the defense a little bit in this game. So I do think the Browns are still going to put up some points, but I got the Ravens winning this game, 34-23. James. I got the the Ravens and uh, 27-17, and Sherry put out there like 27-14. So I'm feeling... All right. All right. So we got a few few people chiming in. Steve says Ravens 37-17. Like it. Uh, Hold on. We Ra- got we got a better one up here. Let me let me scroll up for you. There we go, right here. <laughs> Ray says see. Ravens 199, Browns 17. I love it. If you go off of the what we were talking about, how hyped we are, that's probably right. right? Yeah, right. Uh, All right. Uh so just to throw it out there because they're not here this week. Brian did also have the Ravens 24-13 and Ryan had the Ravens 33 to 20. So let's move on to our next game which is our first game of the NFL season. Yeah. It's going to be Thursday night. Texans at Chiefs 8:20. I think it's NBC's doing Thursday night games this year or is it NFL Network again? I always mix it up. They change I'm not it even around. sure I feel to like be honest with you. Now you put me on the spot. I can't even I don't remember. even know. Either way, you got to, everybody's going to be watching this game. Yeah. So, Fred, who do you have in this game? Who do you got winning this one? Uh, I think this is a layup. <laughs> I think I'll just is, say we all have the same pick. Let's and this is this no disrespect to the Texans. Well, actually, it is kind of disrespectful to the Texans. That shit organization traded away their best player in DeAndre Hopkins and then picked up a Brandon Cooks to replace him. Like, it, what a shit show they are down there yeah. in Houston. But Houston's still a good football team. I do think that. I do think Houston's still a good football team, and I think they'll be in the thick of things for a wild card spot this year. We'll talk a little bit about that. But I think in this game, uh, rookie running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire <laughs> carries me to about four fran- uh, fantasy football wins this week because I've got him in pretty much every league that I'm in. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the rookie running back out of LSU, has a big game in this game, uh, and I'm excited to see how this offense looks with a legit running back back there. Because let's face it, since Kareem Hunt has left Kansas City, they haven't really had a good running back there. They just kind of had a running back by committee type thing. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's got a lot of Ray Rice in him. Adding Ray Rice to that already dynamic offense, that track team that they've got out there. Yeah. I got the Chiefs winning this one 40 to 30. I'm not far. I'm not far behind you. I give I give the Texans a little less credit than you did. Uh your point with that Edwards Hilaire and just the Chiefs, the rich just keep getting richer, right? They already have enough speed and talent. Why like why why do you need to add Edwards Hilaire? Why? Like <laughs> like seriously. Uh but no, I got the Chiefs winning this 35-21. Brian had it Chiefs 34-28. Ryan had Chiefs 36-20. James, what did you have? I had them uh Chiefs winning 24-14, pump the brakes on the running back. Of course. <laughs> Hold on, this it's it, it's going to open the floodgate, but luckily it's not um, going to happen uh, week two either, but it's the beginning of the year. It's gonna <laughs> Absolutely be a, week two. It's going to be a, l- a little sloppy. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, all the games are. I think are going to be kind of low or, or blowouts. So I, I agree. Ray yeah. had Ray had the Chiefs winning forty-one to thirty. So great minds because that was only we were only one point off yeah. on that. So Sherry says thirty-four twenty-four for the Chiefs. All right, all right. Sunday so, night, yeah. Sunday night football. We got them boys, Cowboys. Going into Los Angeles to take on the Rams. Uh, this one's a 8:20 kickoff of Sunday Night Football. This is probably, I think, one of the more intriguing games to me because I think these are two evenly matched teams. I do think that Dak Prescott's the better quarterback than Jared Goff. I don't think that goes without you know even questioning. Uh, the Cowboys revamped their wide receiver core. They added an explosive guy in Ceedee Lamb. You know, they've already got Amari Cooper there. They've got Michael Gallup, who launched onto the scene last year, did really well. Um, 
you know, I, I like some of the weapons that the Cowboys have in this game. So I lean more Cowboys in this game, and I've got it close. I think this comes down to a last-minute field goal. I got the Cowboys winning this 27-24. I would have, just going to put a note out there, I would have gone the other way if home field advantage was a real thing in this game. Fair enough. I So I have this being a, a one-score game as well, but I've got it being a little bit more than three points, and I've got it being 26-19. But in favor, and I'm the lone wolf on this one, I've got this in favor of the Rams. And the reason I say that, yes, I know, you, you know you're talking about home field advantage. The Rams have something they need to prove. Jared Goff has to start off on a hot streak. He's got to show that he's over last year and whatever hump and issues that they had. They solidified up their defensive front. You've got to show, you know, everything with hard knocks, they, they don't look bad. Right. They've, got, they've got a lot of, it seems like through hard knocks, obviously, it seems like they've got a lot of depth. And I think that goes in their favor. The only thing that, that I am putting it at the Cowboys' detriment is the Cowboys have had a lot of distractions this offseason. Yeah. And continued distractions. The franchise tag with Dak. You know, all that stuff. So Dak has something to prove. But some of these other guys, I, I don't know what they do. And then the defensive side for Cowboys, they could use some help on the defensive side of the ball. They, they don't have a whole lot. Right. So to me, that's where I look at this. And I, I think the Rams are just able to do a little bit more on the defensive front. Um, Cowboys did bring back Brandon Carr. FYI, that happened today squad. to the practice, practice squad. squad. And they got a, uh, a, a DMV guy, Trayvon Diggs, they picked up in the draft. They yeah. had him right up there at the top of the draft with CeeDee Lamb. So they've added some pieces. They've added some pieces, but I'm still going Rams here. I got Rams 26-19. Uh, James, what did you have here? I had the Cowboys winning 21-10. Uh, the Rams, I don't know what's up to them. They, they spend too much money on wasted talent for the most yeah. part. Are you a believer in Sean McVay? Like, do you believe nah. in his offensive system? I think he was the first-year head coach. People didn't know. Now I think they figured him out. Wait, yeah. So you're saying the first year he got lucky? Yeah. No way. Yeah. No way. You, you got no lucky, way. and then golf over got overpaid. Golf didn't have very very many. Uh, he had, what do you have? He had Cooper golf Cup. is very overpaid. Yeah, golf is overpaid, but he had what? Cooper Cup. Yeah, Cooper Bro Cup. He had, Robert um, Cooks. Yeah, Brandon Cooks. He had some targets. Gurley, but he didn't Gurley. have it. But he, he didn't. They didn't have much of a defense over there. Now you, you solidify that. Yeah, with both they did. The they had and Donalds, and they had uh, Sanu. Yeah, both. <laughs> right when you could, when, when he two, got paid, when you're talking the year about, after. He, but hold on a second, when you're talking about two names, and they had Marcus. Peters. I know who the hell I have to cover. I know who I have to protect from getting to the quarterback. Yeah, and the offensive line is is trash now. Yeah. So. All right, so you got the boys that. twenty-one to ten. Brian's got the boys winning an even bigger blowout, forty-two to seventeen. Ryan's got the boys winning, so we're all on the boards except for, on the boys except for Scott. I just Scott's wanna, the only one with the just, Rams. I just want to give a heads up with Brian's picks. I think he's been drinking because they're all high scoring games. <laughs> I think the liquor got to him. The that next, could one, be. The next could one's be. not. I'll give him credit. The next one's not a huge high scoring game. Next game, Monday Night Football. This involves our AFC rival. Pittsburgh Steelers going to New York to take on the Daniel Joneses, the, the Giants, Ryan's boy. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's QB1 in the draft. <laughs> QB1. There's two Monday night football games. This is the first one. This kicks off at 7.15 on Monday night. Uh, all right, Scott, I'll let you kick this one off. Being uh, that you're one of the ones that went the other way on this. Uh, yeah, so for me, look, I – I know that you guys are going to be crap. I think it's going to be a close game. This actually, of all the games that I have out there, I have this being the lowest scoring game. I've got it being 17 
14 in favor of the Giants. Woo! Ryan's got Giants winning 38 to 3. Jesus. Woo! He's praying for them. <laughs> Man. Jones touchdowns. Uh, no, I've, I've got Giants 17 14. I just, I think the Steelers are way overhyped. You've got Big Ben coming back from, from major injuries. Who knows if he's still got it, right? Yeah, he's, they say he's looked okay, but you, you haven't seen him against an NFL team anymore. What's he going to do against a true defense that has speed? You don't know. That offense has been poor at best. You have Juju, and that's about it, right? James Conner didn't perform last year. So you have all these pieces that didn't perform, haven't been performing. You've got one main guy. It's easy to cover that. Yes, they're good on the defensive side of the ball, which is why I did make this a lower-scoring game. But at the same time, I think the youth of that Giants team plays to their advantage in this game. Okay. All right. Listen, I I agree with you to an extent. I think that the Steelers are a little overhyped. But I do think we talked about this last year. The Steelers still hung around until the last couple of weeks as far as fighting for that final playoff spot with a duck and somebody else. I can't even think of the guy's name right now at quarterback last year. Yeah, Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. Right. Terrible. Both terrible and more terrible. Both of them. I'm not saying Ben Roethlisberger is going to be anything like he was in his heyday. But I do think even Ben Roethlisberger coming back from the injuries he's coming back from is head and heels above be- better than what they had last year, right? Yeah. This defense is one of the nastiest defenses in the NFL, and it's what kept them competitive last year through terrible quarterback play. It's what kept them in the, in the, in the game last year. We're talking about the Giants. We're not talking about the cream of the crop here. We're talking about the Giants. And again, no home field advantage, right? Basically neutral playing field. I like the Steelers in this game, 24-19. All right. Fair enough. By the James. way, I, I catch a lot of shit at work if I pick the Steelers. Just ah, so yeah, now it comes out. James. Well, I'm not you know, a fan of the Steelers because they're in the division, but as Steven Smith will say um, to Scott and Ryan, stay off the weed. <laughs> and you talk about, oh, they're young, blah, blah, blah. What is the Giants? What did the Giants do last year? They've got Saquon Barkley, and that's it. That's it. Right. And they I have agree. decent wide receivers, but Apparently, you got to throw the ball. Apparently, they have Daniel Jones. <laughs> and you have, you have to throw the ball they got with a, good, a, with I think a Duke every, quarterback. A yeah. Duke. I'll take, a, I'll take a, um, Ben Rothenberger with uh, one arm than a Duke quarterback. Okay. So, I right. have the Steelers winning 17-10. to 10. It's going to be – the defense is going to carry this game for the most part. Right, so it's not like you're saying this is an, a high-scoring offensive game. So, you're not saying anything that I hadn't said. You're basically putting this as a one-score game – and saying it could go, we all have technically going either we way. We all have this as a one-scoring right. game. Like but I said, but so, the Steelers are hands up. Don't we have to do a coin flip? It's an automatic win. For hands the up and down, and that what he's always saying. What if I? Anyway, uh, right. So Ryan has this Giants. He's with. He's on board with me. He's got it being a twenty to seventeen game. Yep. Brian on the other side. He's with you guys uh, smoking the weed. Twenty-three <laughs> to seventeen Steelers uh, for him. Let's go to that last Monday Night Football game. The staggered Monday Night Football games. I kind of hate, honestly. If I can be, if I can be candid for a second. What's wrong with you? I hate it's the, more football. I yes, it's more football, but I gotta work on Tuesday. We got a long day on Tuesday. I gotta work, and then we got all this shit. <laughs> they crying that we have no sports. You know what? They cry like a good sound effect. I don't want to. We're gonna have to pull that. We haven't had sports in so long, and now you're crying about. It. You have to watch two games. Oh my god. No, no, no. Because I don't want to hear it from him when he's tired as shit on Tuesday because he stayed up until one a.m. to hey. watch the game on Monday. I'm still here, <laughs> bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm here. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Anyway, you got in that 10 o'clock Monday night game, Titans going to the Broncos a mile high. Uh, for me, I look at this game. The Titans just have shown too much over the past few years with Derrick Henry. The Tannehill has shown flashes, right? It's he, he's he's hot and he's cold, but when he's hot, he's hot. We saw that in in, in the latter half of last season yeah. with them. I think he rides that train. I think it, this is Vrabel. I think he's going to make it work for Tannehill. And he's the guy to do it. Guy that studied under Bill Belichick. Who, who, who better, so to speak, than to take a guy that, you know, was is an average quarterback in most people's eyes yeah. and elevate him. I think you see that this year. They, they went, and I know they solidified, solidified up a little bit more uh, on the defensive side of the ball for themselves. So I, I have this being a game that I think they are able to do it. Their offense is able to control it a little bit more. Their defense is able to stunt it, stunt the Broncos, even in mile high. I got it being a Titans 24-13 win. All right. I have this in a close game, uh, and hear me out on this. So I think this Denver Broncos team is going to be a lot better than most people think. I do okay. think Drew Locke is a decent quarterback, and he'll improve over time. They added some – Drew Locke si or Daniel Jones? I'm just going to ask that. I like Drew Locke better, okay. personally. Yeah. And I like his weapons better, and here's why. They added two of my favorite wide receivers coming out of this draft at the top of the draft. They yeah. get Jerry Judy. Yeah. Who was one of the best route runners, and I think will be right up there with J.K. Dobbins at the end of the year for Offensive Rookie of the Year award. I'll take him. I'll take his fantasy points. Thank you. <laughs> I think he'll he'll have a big impact. They got K.J. Hamler, who I'm not a. Uh, Y'all know I'm not a Penn State <laughs> fan, but I do like K.J. Hamler. He's got a lot of Steve Smith in him. I like his ability. They've got Cortland Sutton down, Sutton down there, right? So you got three yeah. good wide receivers. You've got one of the young and upcoming tight ends in the league in Noah Fant yeah. down there. Uh, they added a running back in uh, Melvin Gordon. Now, I know there's a lot of question marks with Melvin Gordon, but you have the shared backfield with Gordon and Lindsey. I think that's a decent running back combo down there. I think that that group will get things done, but I do like the Titans. I think Derrick Henry's the real deal. Uh, I was kind of on the fence of whether they should invest in Ryan Tannehill, but there's no denying he did have a big impact with them last year and yeah. was this part of the big reason that they they made the run that they made. I got the Titans win this in a close one, 27-23. I tell you what, Ryan, I'm going to call you out here. He's saying Van or no Van Broncos, he must be high in mile high because he what says Broncos are winning 59-7. to That's where the weed's wow. at. <laughs> That's where the weed is at. He is smoking the same thing that Brian's smoking, Brian, but not you're smoking some better shit than Brian's smoking because Brian says Broncos 24-21. At least he made it three points. Brian's got all kinds of hate for them Titans. Not 42 boys. points. Jesus. Man, James, who do you got in this game? I have it on the Titans' uh, close game, like like uh, Fred said. It's going to be 21-17. I think special teams is going to play into this, and I think, you know, I think we're going to get sloppy play from both quarterbacks. All right. Uh, in the beginning, you know. Yeah. Brian's got this Broncos. He's the only one on the Broncos yeah, 24 side. 24-21. And Ryan has got the Titans winning this one, 24-20. All right, Scott, it's time for this this week's Liquor Stop Brew of the Week. What are we drinking on today? So I got I got a shout out to Jerry. We had an issue with our with our uh, the brew of the week for this week, and uh, so I've got to say this later. is a damn good replacement. But I, I picked this up some had some this a few times now. Wow, 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 wow. So you got you got to add the at the beginning with Steve <laughs> Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA. 
Uh, I think this is his third appearance on the show, maybe. It is. This stuff is good, man. Stuff is really good. And it's look, If you haven't tried this by now, you need to get out there and, and, and buy it. We do not get paid to promote this beer by any means, but if you are an IPA, like, like well, we this get paid, is... Well, we get paid in beer, but not this specific yeah, beer. Yeah, we get paid in beer. We get to drink <laughs> the beer for free. That's cool. Yeah. This is by far one of my favorite IPAs that we've had on this show. It is. Like, I had this... I've bought these, so these, these came out of my pocket... Right, and it's a four pack. I think is. Like, I'll Venmo you the money. Golly, God. come out of my pocket. <laughs> Could I drop any more bigger of a hint? Jeez, Fred. Uh, no. So <laughs> these these are. It's a four pack, and four packs. You, you know, when it comes to to the craft beers, they tend to be the four packs tend to be like fourteen, fifteen dollars because they're four packs, but they're these bigger sixteen ounce cans, and that's what this is. This is a one pint can. So this is it's six point seven. Uh, percent. Everybody knows Steve Austin. Uh oh. What 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 are we laughing? Drew's coming. <laughs> God damn it! I gotta get up there for that broken skull. I know, man. No, you no, do. It's good. He, no, uh, he put cheap. cheap he calls me a cheap bastard. Oh, he is a cheap bastard. <laughs> you, you know who's cheaper? <laughs> Not this guy. Fred, after you took all of his money. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. <sighs> <sighs> But yeah, no, this is a good, it's a good IPA. There's a reason we keep we keep getting it because it's it, it is a it. it <sighs> that's all, folks. <laughs> no, <laughs> so when I, I I don't want this to come out weird because everything that we drink is drinkable. Uh, but there are some IPAs that we've had that they're not really drinkable. They're not enjoyable. Don't fluff it. I Just said say some. it. I said some. There have been some IPAs that sucked. There for have, lack of a better term. There have been. This one is one of is my favorite, not one of. And it's definitely my but favorite. You know what? It sucked for us because for some other people, <laughs> there's people that go out and buy that stuff. There's companies that are in business for a reason. So it's people I get that it. like it. Absolutely. It's just it just wasn't our taste. But, this but the, one is our taste. But the best part about this beer also, you know, like some people just put their names on it, like Stone Cold. Stone Cold loves this beer, and we're not just drinking because it's a name on it, but it's good beer. It is. It, it is. is good. It, it's a it's a very good beer. So make sure you guys head down to the liquor stop, fifteen ten Conowingo Road. Tell them Birdland BS sent you. Get your 10% off. All right, guys. Time for some bros, bows, and O's. That's all this week's show is going to be. Ravens and Orioles. We're not talking Terps this week. And even this week's Orioles kind of light. We're not doing a rundown this week. We knew we had a lot to cover with the Ravens, but we couldn't not talk about the Orioles because right wow. now we are two-thirds of the way through the season. We got 20 games left on the year. We're sitting at 19 and 21 overall. Two games under 500, but more importantly... We're two games back of the Yankees no, and no, Astros no. wild card. One and a half. Don't give them that half. Oh, we're, did they lose last We're night? one and a half games oh, they out, lost of, last out of that night. last wild card baby. spot. Nah. So... <laughs> Hey, listen, I, I'm I'm excited, and what I'm more excited about, it's not even the playoffs. Like, who gives a shit? If they make the playoffs, yay. They're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs, whatever. It's cool. The more important thing is we're starting to see some of the young talent that we've been hyped about, some of the young talent that we've been begging to see come up. And not only are they coming up, they're doing but they're well. doing really, really well. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Ryan Malcastle and how well he's been doing. He continues to just, you know, go above and beyond. Uh, but we see this week we saw uh, – Dean Kramer and Keegan Aiken actually technically came up on the 31st was his first his yeah. first start. He has a second start this week. Still looks good. We're going to get to that in a Pitched second. Pitched well. But before we kind of get into how the team's doing, I do want to take a second because we got to recognize the legend. Ah, it's I forgot been, about this. It's been 25 years. Golly. We're getting 25. old. We're getting old. 
Better yet, the two of you are getting older (laughs) than I am. Uh, 25 years. So, yeah, 25 years since 21-31 when Cal Ripken broke Lou Gehrig's consecutive game streak. Uh, what? I mean, obviously, there's a, uh, a specific memory for there you there that sticks out. Like, for me, I watched the game with my family. Uh, we watched the whole thing. We recorded it. I still have the VHS tape that we recorded it on. I don't even have a VHS player anymore. I still but have, I still have the VHS play that we recorded. And you know what's crazy about it, too? It, like, this is how bad it is. This is how poor I was, and this is how it was growing up. Like, we recorded <laughs> Cal's 21-31 over my my uncle's ex-wife's uh, wedding video. Like when they got married and they, they were they divorced. divorced. No, they were already divorced. <laughs> so we recorded over their wedding video with Cal 2131. We still have it. That's like out of a movie. You can't write that. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. It's literally out of a movie. Well, I think yours was a little bit more memorable than mine. So, yeah. So, I mean, look, first of all, I think it was great with the way that they handled this week with all the different stuff. A, being up uh, during those... N- crazy thunderstorms i think it was friday yeah um where they were oh, up yeah. at ripkin stadium <laughs> with channel 11 they interviewed him sat down nice to just see like the talk and, and you know the memories and things like that yeah. and then they talked about the first pitch um that he and ryan were doing they actually had thrown it out earlier in the week to you know to be ready for sunday because they can't be there that day they can't they have to be there when no one else is there in order to do it right um and like the the field was like taped off as if like he had nothing to do with the organization it's like all right well whatever <laughs> um but either way, so he does the ver- the first pitch, which was kind of cool because Ryan was only two years old when that happened. Yeah, um, you know, and he talked I, about that. I remember him, you know, being in the stands with his mother there, and you know, the moment where Cal Ripken kind of completed his lap and came up and and you know took, had a moment with the family. Yeah, took the jersey off. They, yeah. they gave him the twenty one two thousand one hundred thirty one hugs and kisses. They gave him that shirt. Right. You know, so you had to show him he was wearing it and all that stuff. But the first pitch, you know, Ryan doesn't remember that he was two years old. Right. Um, so I thought it was great. He's in the organization. You bring him on. You let him, his dad, throw the first pitch to him. Um, you know, I, I just thought the way that they handled it was really well. Um, but for me, my fondest memory, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go. Can you, can you pull up the picture that I, that I put on there? This picture is, so do the, the pick on button. Uh, so this picture is what, uh, MLB and the Orioles put up. Uh, in you know, in celebration of twenty one thirty one. Yep. So if you look next to the two in twenty one thirty one, you'll see a gentleman holding a child that's leaning over and pointing. That at looks cow. a lot like Scott. <laughs> it is me. Um, I've told this story before, but it it will be the memory that I hold for the rest of my life uh, because that man. Not only is this this is the second time that he got me down in the front row, like to try to you know be there and be part of the moment with Cal. So that's when he's driving around that Corvette that he took home. But he also, the, when Cal did the lap, when Cal did his lap, he wound up uh, going ahead and saying, hey, kid coming through and saying, kid coming through, handing me down. So he got me, he got me down there. I was, I was down there. He's holding me. Crazy part about all this, after the year after this, um, this guy actually... Uh, passed away oh. from prostate cancer. Oh, wow. That's awful. So to kind of take your mind for a second, it takes me to another level now. What did Cal just have? Yeah. Wow. That's true. 
it's I know these are two completely different things. But no, it's I just, know, but it's just crazy how it's it all crazy pulls how it, how everything kind of comes together. And this guy, and then they post that picture up there, and it it's, it just takes me back. You know, my dad and I always talk about it. And first thing I send that to my my parents as soon as I saw it, and they're like. Did you check it against the the Aegis the next day? And I was like, nope, <laughs> wrong pick. That was when he was running around. This is when he's in the when he's in the uh, the Corvette. Um, but yeah, it's just it's one of those things. It, t- it takes you back. It's memories, you know, that we all cherish in some way, shape, or form. I mean, you weren't there, but you you cherish and you remember. Oh, the the, the piece about the, how you taped over. Your- yeah, there there are very few life or life moments that like you remember where you were you remember what you were doing that day all that stuff and that's one of it it was just a you know it wasn't anything spectacular i was watching it with my family at home right but that's a videotape that i still have with me to this day it's something that i'll always carry with me uh and i just the state of baseball and what it was just a year prior to that to what that game was and the spect in the spectacle that it was nationwide worldwide in a lot of ways you know it's just it's crazy to think that that you know it's it, it's cool you know this was somebody yeah. that that grew up in Aberdeen, a couple miles up the street right. from here, right? You know, a guy that that was his family was in the Orioles system, got drafted by the Orioles, worked his way up through the Orioles, and played his entire career with the Orioles. Like just the whole story of it is really cool. And I thought if you haven't seen this yet, uh, former Orioles pitcher Ben McDonald, who does a lot of the the broadcast work yeah. now. He was on Twitter the other day, and he posted, if you remember this from uh, from back in the day, there were a couple of guys in the dugout that had their old camcorders. Him and Bobby Benilla. Him and Bobby Benilla. Right. They had these, you know, big old floppy jalopy camcorders, right? Well, Ben McDonald actually posted a little bit of the footage from that game, and it was when Cal hit his home run yeah. during that game. And you can literally see it from the footsteps of the dugout, that vantage point. It was a really cool video to see. So if you haven't seen that, follow Ben McDonald on Twitter and look at that video. And it happens cool. without that. Remember, that was without the barrier that, that's there right. now, right? So right. It's, just, it's a clean shot of everything. Crazy to see. And, and he brought that up, and he's like, apparently his son, like n- sometime earlier this year, I guess was probably going through stuff because he had nothing better to do. Right. And found that. And so he turned it into a digital SD copy and sent it sent it to Ben, and Ben was able to share it. Yeah, um, and they talked about it on, on the, uh, the PC. But it was... It's amazing. It's it, it takes you back, you know. James, where, where do you, what's your memory of twenty one thirty one? I was um home um watching it. Like I said, I he's not a, the biggest Cal Ripken. I'm not fan. the biggest Cal I I grew up in Hartford County, and and I respect them and and all that. But um, you know, I watched it. it was you know something like I went home and it was like you know this is gonna be the night. I wasn't like you know, but it was good for baseball. But you know, you know my my <laughs> thing about greatest shortstop of all time. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was good for he was good for the, for for baseball. Good for no, baseball. Good. good for Maryland. Good for this. Good for you know, Baltimore. Like, for living here and coming up, like you know, that's special to be drafted by your team. Yeah, you your know, whole family. It, that's that's yeah. great. You know, but Hall of Famer in my books, no. But wow. That's just crazy. That's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. But all right, let's let's talk about these young guys because, like I said, there there have been so many guys that have come up over the last, I'd say, two weeks that have made big impacts. We talked about my boy in in Cedric Mullins, him coming up with a small ball attack. He's had a couple of home runs too, right? He's shown what I thought he could potentially be at the major league level. He's, He's continuing to show flashes in the pain. That's a piece. 
Well, then we talked about it last week. We're like, oh, Jesus Christ, here comes DJ Stewart again. This guy's O for the century. Why are we bringing this guy up? <laughs> He's now got four home He's runs. He's got four <laughs> hits, four home runs, I think, at this point, including tonight, right? I, it's something like I he know he have, only had three and three hits, three hits and three home runs prior to tonight. Right. He may he may have like one extra hit in there somewhere, but that's it. And I mean, he's hitting the freaking cover off the ball. His first two home runs were against um, Garrett, uh, he, he had Garrett one Cole. Against, well, he had one against Garrett Cole, and then I forget who who it was that came out of the bullpen. It wasn't both against Cole. No, they, oh, only okay. the first one was against right. was against Cole uh, because they actually pulled Cole before he got up against him to to hit the the second one. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just been. He's been off the charts recently w- with his abilities and he, it, the way he's seeing the ball. That's what it comes down to. He is seeing the ball really well right now. Yeah. Um, and you really needed him to come up. And why did he come up? Well, he comes up because my guy, Wyatt's guy, Anthony Santander. He gone. Oblique strain. Yeah. The old oblique strain. Swinging Which, too hard. Unfortunately, at this point, with 20 games to go, that takes him out for the remainder yeah. portion of the year. A uh, guy that was having a great year, a career yeah. year, uh, in every which way, man. Not just with the bat, but what he was able to do defensively. There were a lot of question marks when we when we picked him up as a World 5 draft guy, how he was going to do as an outfield defender. He's done really, really well out there. Uh, and then, obviously, everything added on top of that with the bat. But I think this week, what speaks more bigger about the 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 bigger picture here is we talk about some of the the arms that we have down in the minor leagues, right? And who's going to fill in the gaps behind like the Grayson Rodriguez of the world and that kind of thing. There are a couple guys out there that we've got our eyes on, but we weren't sure if they were going to work out to be okay. Well, so far, so good. You get Keegan Aiken who came up and made a great start in his first start. You get Dean Kramer, who comes up, makes his major league debut on Sunday, lights out, I yeah. mean, against one of the best teams in baseball. I mean, granted, they're struggling. I understand the Yankees aren't playing very well right now, but he came up and he showed electricity, he showed location, and he showed no fear. He had good life to his fastball. So, you know, he had a rough second inning there. In the first inning was one, two, three. Second inning, he faced the six batters. He winds up loading the bases, uh, let up the only run. Uh, it was a base hit, uh, and Clint, Fra- Clint Frazier winds up coming in. But let me put it to you this way. So let's look at his stat line. Six innings, one hit yeah. of one hit ball. It gives up one run, which was that one that I just talked about. Three walks. I'd like to see a little bit better. I don't want to see you guys let guys on base. You're going to pick apart anything. That's where you pick it apart. Two of the two of those three walks came in that second inning, by the way. Seven strikeouts. Yeah. Impressive work. After that second inning, his next three innings were one, two, three. And even in the sixth, he got he got his first out. He walked Voigt, which was that third walk. Right. And then struck out or he or he got Gardner to line out and struck out Clint Frazier. The heart of part of their lineup. Yeah. And to to boot, he when he went six six innings or six and a third. What did he? He went six. He went six, and I think when they pulled him out, he was still only at like ninety pitches. So he yeah. still could have gone another inning or so, depending upon how efficient would have been. But the way he was going those last couple of innings, he definitely could have pitched another inning. Yeah, and he looks good. And even before before the 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 game, uh, you know, he so his his parents both served in the Israeli army, um, okay. and are both Israeli citizens. So he actually has dual citizenship. In Israel and in the U.S., he actually played on Team Israel 
during the World Baseball Classic. So they put out a, a tweet that says, Mazel Tov to one of our own, hashtag Team Israel pitcher, DJ Cray, who also who will make his de- MLB debut today. So to be not only a guy that's making your MLB debut, to be a guy that's going through and getting the start that he did in six innings, to be a guy that is one that you were able to, to set up and put him in a position to win with the runs that they were able to do. And then the other thing that you were able to do with this start is you have the first player in MLB history with an Israeli citizenship. That's pretty on awesome. The, in, on the Orioles. I must have missed that whole story. I didn't hear that. That's pretty cool. Right? Yeah. So to have this guy, and he does well. Yeah. Right? He was, he's was. he been a high high draft prospect. He comes in. Not and a just fan of the hair. Lights. It's, it's him and Hunter Arby. And Astro Wazowski. Like, yeah. Another guy, oh, yeah. Right? right. I forgot about him. Uh, it's just coming into style. What are you going to do? <laughs> I guess. Um, but kind of coming back for a second, right? Never because was my style. We talked about his debut. And some people were concerned about back on 831, uh, Keegan Aiken's debut. Keegan Aiken went four and a third, gave up three hits, uh, gave up two runs, zero of them earned, by the way. Yeah. That's the key there. Had two walks and six strikeouts through that four and a third. Yeah. Saturday, he comes out, pitches five and a third, three hits, no runs, four walks, eight strikeouts. Not too bad. That's what I said. Like, these were a couple of the guys that we were hoping might be that, like, third or fourth starter in the rotation for the future just because we've got, like I said, we've got some big pieces in Grayson or Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall, Michael Ballman down yeah. there in the minors. Those are probably three guys that you can factor into the rotation of the future without a doubt. It's the last two spots that I was kind of curious who those guys were going to be. This goes to show that Manny Machado trade, Worked out pretty damn well for us, I think, so far. It works out in our favor, and I think it comes down to it. Now, I do want to ask you a question regarding pitching overall, right? Mm -hmm. So, when it comes down to it, do you take any issue with the the average starting length this year? Because the MLB average is 4.1. The the Orioles are above that at 4.2. Wow. Okay. Right? The MLB average is 4.1. 4.1. Okay. For this year. Do you take any issue with that? No, I think that you'll start seeing that trend more and more. The the Tampa Bay Rays have been doing it for a few years now where they're doing the whole, uh, what do you call it? The starter and closer, yeah. Yeah, It's not a starter, though. It's it's called a... Opener. Opener, right. I think you're going to start seeing that more, like where guys aren't going to go six, seven innings, especially with... Some of these guys that come up, like the Dylan Bunnies of the world, and some of these guys that have these huge arms but have nothing but arm issues as they start growing and they start developing, when you start investing the kind of money that they're investing in some of these guys, right, you want to keep them healthy long-term, that I think that if you pull the torque back on them, pull the pitch count back on them, and maybe expect a little bit more out of your middle relief guys too versus just coming in and being a one-batter kind of guy, the specialist-type stuff – I think you'll see oh, those roles change a little bit, especially with some of the new rule changes that are, that have been out there this year. I think that will carry into even next year and a normal season where you have to pitch to at least three batters. So I guess that's my, my biggest thing is this kind of goes against what MLB is trying to do. They're trying to do two main things in MLB right now. They're trying to create excitement, mm-hmm. and you're trying to create the, the shorter gameplay. 
it's kind of a double edged sword though, because if you're going to, to cre- if you want to create excitement, usually the second and third time around the lineup, that's when it happens. Guys figure it out the pitcher, right? Yeah, that's true. If you're pulling these guys out before that even allows it to happen, your excitement level drops down. Right. So now, what are people getting excited about this year? This week, you want to know what the two biggest pieces of news were? Bryce Harper getting thrown out on a ball that technically was, I think, was fair. And the uh, Joe West and uh, oh, I forget the I forget the home plate umpires throwing out Rizzo, who's oh, yeah. the Nats <laughs> right. GM. That's the biggest news in MLB this week. I think I think you hit on it though. I think the biggest issue, and it has been with Major League Baseball for a long time, is the length of games. If you ask any average fan, you and I can go there. We'd be there for a five-hour game and wouldn't complain one bit because we love the game, right? Right. The average fan out there, the thing that they can't stand is the monotony of the game, how long the game is, that kind of thing. I do think that this, this whole shorter window that you're talking about, you're focusing on the starters a little bit too much. I don't think it's going to have a negative impact in that sense. I think that this will actually have a positive effect, especially – if they carry this rule over that they started this year with the you have to pitch to a minimum of three batters because that's one of the things that draws a game out the most is when you see that lefty-righty, lefty-righty matchup, change Agreed. pitchers every at-bat, that's what slows everything down. But but you're also, to that point, you're sacrificing excitement. You talked about monotony. I agree. I agree. I think that there's other ways that they can improve the excitement level. I do think that those are the two primary objectives for the, the MLB. Yes, juice the balls. Let the players juice themselves and not fucking bitch about it. Whatever they got to do, because I'm telling you, Major League Baseball was on the map when steroids were running rampant. I understand what it does to the youth, and that's, and that's, and that's, that's, that's something that I think needs to be parented. Right, right. It needs but to be addressed separately. It, it needs to be addressed separately. But if a player is is gotten to the point where they're in professional baseball and they feel like they should, they can do things to take a competitive advantage, to increase the chances of them making the major league base, you know, major league baseball rosters. I don't see a problem with steroids. I've always had that stance. Yeah. I understand the the nostalgia of it, right? All the records are going to be broken by guys that are juicing and all that stuff. But if you're trying to save baseball. You're trying to save baseball, right? Sex sells. High scoring games sells. My po- well, cheerleaders <laughs> in the NFL work. My point is there are certain things that just time and time again prove that they sell. High offense explosion in the NFL sells. This is why there's so many rules in the NFL that favor the offense more than the defense. Yeah, I think the the MLB could learn from the NFL and say, you know what, offense, like, even if it's, I know this is silly, even if it's bringing in the fences a little bit, especially on the National League level, to make these games a little bit higher scoring, there's other ways you can do it other than just juicing balls and juicing players. There's ways that you can make adapt, right? Uh, you know, adapted things to it. Uh, I think that is the way you address it versus the pitching thing. The pitching thing solves the length of the game. But I think there's other ways as far as excitement to it. I don't think it, it solves the length of the game because you're only seeing I, I don't mean solves, but it down. helps. It helps. It, it, it doesn't it solve hel- it completely, no. It helps, but it, it also it, it, you're still drawn you're still drawing it out because now you have a pitching change and you gotta let your pitcher warm up a few extra pitches in between every inning because you're changing pitchers every th- every inning or inning and a half. 
So uh, that's that's my biggest Ray, issue. Ray says here, it's a good point. It's basically what I'm saying. Just lock the stat book now, start a new one, and allow Royce to run rampant. I agree with that. I mean, he's probably joking. I don't know if he's serious with that or not. But that's honestly, that is my mindset on it. I do think that that steroids juicing, whether it's steroids or whatever, there's so many chemicals out there that now that boost hormone and all that shit, whatever, it improves the game, it improves the offense, and it, and I mean, just look at it. When we looked at that documentary with the Mark McGuire and the yeah. Sammy Sosa thing, when you looked at the stands and you remember all the excitement, that was fucking breaking news over CBS because yeah. it was that big of a story. They would interrupt because they were coming in to, yeah. to the home run. Yeah. I, I I don't disagree with you. I think uh, that you know <laughs> Drew Drew brings up a good point <laughs> two weeks ago. Unwritten rules of baseball, right? You know that's that's what's trending here lately is the unwritten rules because yeah. a team because a team of high performing Fuck unwritten player. rules. Tatis, look, Tatis is the player. He's the player to to beat right now, so to speak. Yeah, he's exciting. He's fun. That's one of the things I think needs to go more so than anything else. Stop all this bullshit. MLB needs to come out and say if MLB it, does a terrible job at marketing. Well, no, part of it is is MLB, Fred Manfred, through this whole Tatis thing. Fred Manfred needed to come out and say, I just want to make it known that the MLB says there's no rule against any of this. And this is actually great for baseball with the way that Tatis is playing. Because you know what that does? That opens up the fucking gates. For anybody to steal in any situation. You know, we talked about it before. You, you brought it up. Joe Pop. That yeah. ball from that 33-3 to game. In the Hall of Fame. It's in the Hall of Fame because it was an exciting situation. That's how you can create excitement. Yeah. You can create excitement by getting rid of this, this unwritten rule stuff. I mean, it, in this day and age, if you want to... If you want to have excitement, I guess you can you let bench-clearing brawls be a thing if everybody's cleared. But I, I also think, and I said this a second ago, I, I think Major League Baseball completely misses misses the boat as far as marketing goes, man. they Why is Mike Trout not out there everywhere? Why is Tatis not out there everywhere? Why is Machado not out there everywhere? Like, these are guys that you should be building your entire image platform your yeah. entire platform around well, i just think baseball gets it all wrong like one minute you can't do this pete rose can't be in the hall of fame even though he bet on yeah. his own team but then the astros can cheat and don't take the world series away like they, they just pick whatever they feel like it right. they need to get on a, on the same line well, and do it do it right that kind of right. goes to his point their marketing and their image is is terrible they want so poor. right yeah it, well that's the problem like, though is that's gonna be the death man, of them. man first just said we're stripping the world series and people would love that for stepping in. But basically, they just said, hey, keep the Wall Series. You know, we praise you for cheating. So what's the point of, the you know, any team just cheating? You know, you get to keep the Wall Series, but, well, hey, it, you got to lose your coach for a year. If, right. that, if that's the case, then kind of to Fred's point, go the opposite way. Give every team a live feed for everything. Just tired of it. It's, it's awful. Yeah. Why not? If you're going to do that, give every team a live feed for everything. Then you know what? Then what is it going to go to? It's going to go to in the ear, which is what we've been saying it needs to go to anyway. Yeah. So that's just how I feel about it. Let him mic up. I do, I do have to say recently the one thing I do find exciting and I like, and it's something I called for at the beginning of this season. The mic. They've been micing up players. You notice that? I love that. Yeah. I love it. And I think, I think at some point the whole thing idea that we talked about before and we pitched and we said, 
hey, Major League Baseball should do a pay-for service where if you want access to certain microphones, you want access to certain camera yeah. views beyond the free broadcast you get on on TV. People will pay. A whole other thing. The blackout thing <laughs> needs to go the fuck away. That's yeah. another thing that pisses me off about MLB. Um, but if you want access to it, you pay 100 bucks for the year. You pay 50 bucks for a year. Whatever that price tag right. is, that's another way for MLB to make revenue. That's another way for the for the owners to make revenue. And it's another way to bring technology into the, the future into the game. Yeah. This game is so stagnant. Well, I do have to give MLB credit on their image because you actually post you know you posted it to our group today. Yeah. They made a huge step out this of This was any, big. Out of any sport, they were the first to do this. Go ahead and share with everybody what they what they put out there. Yeah, so basically they have a new platform where you can go back. I want to say as back as early as like 1929. Yes. It's a vault. It's an MLB vault. I don't know what the actual website is, the link is, but if you just look up MLB vault, you'll be able to go back to 1929 and watch games and footage of games and highlights of games all the way back. It's basically like a cloud-based uh, library of all MLB MLB games. film room. MLB.com slash film room. Is That's what, what it is. Okay. It's a really cool thing. It's something that I feel like pretty much every sport should have out there. Because uh, it, it really does allows you to go out, especially for us, like content creators that are looking for specific video clips. Well, you it's know. huge. It actually part of the promotion behind this. I actually went and looked at it and started like playing around a little bit. It's you can create your own highlight films, right? So it's made for content creators, yep. and they're not going to supposedly. When I started thinking a little bit, supposedly they're because it's it's powered by Google Cloud. Supposedly they are not going to flag these things on platforms like YouTube and Facebook, right? which is a huge step and they're the first ones to do it so they're trying to gain their image that way so when yeah. we talk about marketing they're the first to do it i gotta give them credit there right no I, content, I agree from i a agree. content creator standpoint it's awesome so ray actually brings up a point he's talking about the uh the the added content he said or just include that in their 200 dollars mlb.tv package i agree yeah. i think that they just need to revamp that as a whole right I do think two hundred dollars needs to be way, different levels. It, yeah, it, it's way overpriced. You can have a couple of different packages that you pick from, depending upon the level of fan that you want to be and the content that you want. That it would be easy for them to do. You could you could take you could take that and split it easily, right? You could you say two hundred dollars for that. You could easily say eighty dollars for just the games for your team. Right. Get rid of the blackout scenario. Eighty dollars, and you would make more money now than what you're making off the $200 package. Because everybody's like, I don't want to watch the, the Rangers versus the, the Mariners. I want to watch the Orioles games. That's how you do it. And now, it's time for the two-minute warning. <laughs> I got the Big Ten one and something else. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's time for a two-minute warning. Oh, man. I just got, like, completely steamrolled on this. I was yeah, not expecting did. this. Here comes Chuck. Me, me, meow. That shit up. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, man. They better have money in it. <laughs> All right, Scott. All right. It's time for the two-minute warning. James, what do we got, got questions? Okay, the first question is, um, Big Ten now has two protests for two of the biggest schools in the Ohio State and now Michigan. Do you think this will do anything to change the Big Ten's mind? Look, in the way in this day and age with what the you know the protests and, and vocals are doing, and there are a lot of players out there, a lot of a lot of fans, a lot of families 
um, you know, some of the boosters I even heard were, were out there at Michigan. This has the Big Ten has to rethink this, right? The fact that they, the SEC is getting ready to do this, they're getting ready to set it underway on the 26th. You got to think about something. And I know that John, uh, Jim Harbaugh even said his team can be ready in two weeks. Mark my words. If everything goes good for the first two weeks for the ACC and the SEC, the Big Ten will be playing football this year. You think they'll play like an eight-game season? I think there will be an abbreviated season, whether it's eight games, whatever that schedule may be. I do think that the Big Ten will play this year. There's too much money being left on the table. There's too many. Uh, there's just too many risk factors sending all these kids home versus having them quarantined at the school together. I just think that this makes more sense for not just the Big Ten. I think this makes more sense for college football as a whole. All right, and the last question, sticking with football, what's your take on the new Madden? Do you think – it's you're done with them or they need to move on with new competitions with a new platform. I, from everything I've seen, I haven't played it. I haven't messed around with it, but I've been seeing a ton of the glitches. The glitches were, were are rampant this year. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Some of the, fo- the, like, the photos, have you seen what Lamar looks like? Somebody posted what Lamar looks like in this game. Looks nothing like Lamar. It's yeah. so far off. It's bad. They it took a huge step back. Great to have other platforms, but out of a company like EA, I'd expect way more. I just think the NFL needs to remove the exclusivity. If they do yes. that and allow other you know, platforms and other product developers to come in there and develop a game, that'll put the pressure on the Madden. There's no pressure on Madden to do anything above and beyond what they've done for the last 20 years because the game sells like fucking crazy and they have no competition. You put competition behind them with another, you know, another producer out there, 2K. Yeah. A hundred percent Madden's better next year if that happens. I could see that. For sure. I could definitely see that. All right, Scott, sign us off, man. All Appreciate right. everybody tuning in. This was a great show. I hope all of you out there are excited. It's week one, baby. Ravens, let's go. Let's go. Stay tuned for the after hours. Got some things to talk about while we're there. Make sure you guys also tune in each and every week and go to birdlandbs.com to check out the episodes, learn about each of us, contact us, get yourself some Birdland BS gear. Look, holidays are going to be coming up faster sooner than later. Go get your loved ones some Birdland BS gear. They'll appreciate it. I promise. That's right. My wife. We got it me. even for the kids. Exactly. The children's. <laughs> Make sure you visit BigPlay.com, BigPlay Twitter page. Download the Big Play app. Also, check us out on BirdlandSports.com. Follow us on all of our social media sites. you find us with at Birdland BS. We're on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, YouTube. You name it, we're there. At FredBLBS, at SkyBLBS, at Bartender underscore Blake. At James Bond underscore 2032. At Terps B. Espert. We got them all. all. Everybody. Go like, follow, subscribe, and share while you're there. Be a part of our Birdland BS Nation. As always, make sure you check out the audio version of our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Go check us out. Make sure you also leave us a review there so we get easier. Easier to Easier. Abity, abity, abity. That's all, folks. Round two. Round easier. As you give us those thumbs up. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, as always. We'll be back next Tuesday night, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time, on all of your social media platforms. For Fred, myself, James, Brian, who's not here, and Ryan, who's not here, we'll see you guys next week. See ya!